0: you stick around at the end there's more information about our community and how to find us and now here's this week's centering scripture followed by the sermon
1: from genesis chapter 2. so god fashioned an earth creature out of the clay of the earth and blew into his nostrils the breath of life And the earth creature became a living being. And from Mark 13th chapter, Jesus said, When you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee of the mountains. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform the signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I've told you everything ahead of time.
0: So yes, that little let the reader understand line is an editorial note in the translation, (laughs) not necessarily what Jesus said to his followers, but I hope my prayer is that I will allow us to understand what these words mean, abomination and desolation in this context. But before I get into that, do you all know that on Thursdays, every Thursday our church sends out a timely news email. Y'all know that? Some heads nodding, some furrowed brows. Okay, well, we do. So if you want to know what's going on at St. Luke, email the office, and you'll get the Thursday email. And it offers some timely news about our church and a personalized message from the desk of, generally whichever pastor is preaching the coming Sunday. This week, I wrote... As the long days of summer stretch on, I was thankful for Pastor Brennan's sermon last week, introducing us to our summer sermon series, Poems of Power. He said, in a time when I don't have any words for what's happening, we can look to the poets. This Sunday, I have a sermon I've been struggling to find the words for since I first heard the Supreme Court would be overturning Roe v. Wade. Much of the rhetoric surrounding the recent decision was based in so-called Christian values. So as a Christian pastor, I feel a duty to address what scripture says about life and death and murder. While emotions are running high on all sides of this issue, I hope to ground our response in compassion and love. That's what I wrote on Thursday. And so my prayer is that I can continue to be grounded in compassion and love, though that may look different depending on who we're talking to. Compassion in this for me looks like considering the feelings of those who both cheered for the overturning and those who screamed internally or externally with fear and anger. I've got Bible verses for both joyful and sorrowful camps today. Several for the joyful camp, in fact. For folks who cheered at its overturning, I often heard the refrain that abortion is murder. And God said, thou shalt not kill, Exodus 20, verse 13. And now the Hebrew, behind when we say kill, is ratsak? I think I said that right. In other passages like 1 Kings 2119 and lots of places in the book of Numbers 35, we also see ratsak used and can determine it's intended to mean killing someone with a position in society. This is a different class than killing animals or women for them, as let's not forget women were treated more as objects with slightly higher standards than animals in this legal code of the Israelites. That's what these Older Testament texts are, generally, legal codes and histories of the Israelites. They were never intended to be applied for future societies, doesn't say that anywhere in the text. They were the rules and laws that governed their society. Besides Genesis and the start of Exodus, most of the Older Testament is a documentation of an ancient society who believed that they were the chosen people of God. And whether or not they were is not what I'm considering here. That's a sermon for a different time. But they knew nothing of modern medicine, and even less about prenatal, postnatal, and pediatric care. They knew about God. They knew about God deeply. But if you still want to go to them for medical and pregnancy advice, they believed, as we heard in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, thank you, Charlie, and no other text names it so directly. It takes breath before life begins. So Sok would not apply to a fetus who cannot and does not breathe air on its own, nor have any formal standing in their society. The mother is breathing for the fetus at that point, not until its breath is its own, does it live, according to the account in the Bible. I'm not saying you have to believe that, just that that's what the text says. So for folks cheering at Roe being overturned for Christian values, to them I would say, please read your Bibles and do your homework. (laughs) I am happy to have any discussions About biblical scholarship, it is what I focused on with my master's degree. But ultimately, the Bible isn't meant to be a medical guidebook. Thank you. It is a theological discourse on the nature of God and humanity's relationship to the divine using it as the basis for overturning 50 years of legal precedent in a country that is supposed to have a separation between church and state, to me, seems like a bunch of us millennials rallying around Harry Potter and using the corruption that occurred in the Ministry of Magic to justify stricter election laws and background checks. Harry Potter is a work of fiction with a moral center, about the power of love and friendship to overcome fear and lies. Sure, it can inspire us to live better, but it can't be pointed to as a proof text for a real-world concern. Much like the Bible, an ancient theological discourse describing humanity's ever-evolving and deepening relationship with God, and themselves cannot be used to dictate modern medical practices. It's like comparing apples to cardiac arrest procedures. <laughs> I keep telling myself to have compassion and understanding for the Imperial Church and pro-birth theologies, but to do so means ignoring the text, which I refuse to do. And, To do so, to have compassion and understanding, means to want growth and enlightenment, which requires me to say clearly that that stance is not biblical. And even if it was, it is not appropriate to apply that stance to remove medical privacy in our lifetime and our culture. Because right now, millions of people, have lost their right to medical privacy and the autonomy to care for their own physical well-being. Speaking as a human sexuality educator with the Our Whole Lives program, the uterus is a unique reproductive organ that those assigned female at birth generally have. And to be clear, there has never been a law governing male reproductive organs even though male reproductive organs can produce many more unwanted pregnancies and thus abortions per year than their female counterparts. (laughs) This is sexuality education. (laughs) Furthermore people who are assigned male at birth have always been entrusted to manage their own reproductive organs on their own without government oversight, and quite often without proper education, either. (laughs) And now, in nine to fifteen states, depending on the circumstance, and perhaps more soon, people assigned female at birth are once again no longer able to manage their own reproductive organs while male reproductive organs remain unfettered. As you may have guessed, I have transitioned to talking about how I hold compassion and care for those who are mourning the recent Roe overturning. It starts with a warning from Jesus in our text. As you heard from the book of Mark, when you see the abomination that causes desolation Standing where it does not belong, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Even Jesus recognizes the power of poetry. He goes on, how dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Now, an abomination, to let the reader understand, is something that causes disgust or hatred And desolation is a state of complete emptiness or destruction. Jesus, our theological example of living a holy life, warned that something or someone detestable would be in charge of the widespread faith systems someday and cause it to be void of substance and merit. And when that, when that horror occurred, residents should seek cover without delay. In that woeful time for pregnant women, he says, there will be many who claim to be the Messiah, and many will be deceived. And beloved, if someone has told you that the Bible claims life begins at conception, like the rampant televangelist evangelical who has a fleet of airplanes at their disposal while poor people experiencing homelessness sleep outside their churches in the cold, you are being deceived. If a faith leader calls on their congregation to condemn and judge young people struggling with deeply personal and profound medical decisions, those leaders are abominations Causing desolation in the church. The church should be full of grace. A beacon of God's overflowing love and compassion. Standing at odds with the punitive bigotry of our world. That was the ministry Christ came and preached and lived and died for. As I said, the only place in the Bible explicitly talking about life beginning is at birth. All other arguments out there are inferring something else in the text. Again, I am happy to have conversations about these texts with you. If you have concerns, if you have disagreements. But hear me. Scripturally. It is not murder to allow mothers the right to end a pregnancy. Scripturally, the life of the mother is more consequential than the viability of her pregnancy. In other laws of the Israelites described in Exodus 21, those who kill a pregnant woman are punished more harshly than those who cause miscarriage. Any preacher who dares denigrate pregnant women for ending their pregnancy is that false prophet that Jesus spoke of, causing desolation and woe to our society, deceiving many, perhaps even themselves. For the teen who got pregnant after an assault, the mother of three who can't afford another child, The woman over 50 with heart issues. The trans man who can't face the societal condemnation and judgment. The desperate mother to be who gets the news that something has gone wrong and her fetus isn't growing anymore. The non binary person with an ectopic pregnancy who needs surgery to save their life. These people are not abominations, not sinners. They are beloved children of God. If you count yourself on that list, you are a beloved child of God. So to all of you who have a uterus, who find yourself needing an abortion, or for your grown child, or your teenage grandchild or anyone overcome by the desolation being wrought by those abominations leading pro-birth churches out there, know that they are standing in a holy place they do not belong. Please hear me. Your faith, your God, your soul is not lost if you get an abortion. Your life is of utmost importance. You are precious. The Bible said so. Those are Christian values. And I know it may feel like you've lost your rights to medical privacy and agency. And you have, in many places. I am grateful. Minnesota is not one of them. But it might feel like there is no sense in carrying on, and it's doom and gloom ahead as we spiral down and regress. But for you, for us all, I turn to the words of another poet, Ellen Bass, from her poem The Thing Is. To love life, To love it, even when you have no stomach for it. And everything you've held dear crumbles like burnt paper in your hands. Your throat filled with the silt of it. When grief sits with you, it's tropical heat thickening the air. Heavy as water, more fit for gills than lungs. When grief weighs you like your own flesh, only more of it, an obesity of grief. You think, how can a body withstand this? Then you hold life like a face between your palms, a plain face. No charming smile, no violet eyes, and you say, yes. I will take you. I will love you again. Beloved, mourn if your hearts ache. And know what it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Mourn and know that you are blessed and will be comforted. May it be so. As a church located on Lakota land in Minnetonka, Minnesota, St. Luke is a joyful, inclusive, intergenerational, and compassionate community on a spiritual journey seeking to do justice, make peace, and to walk humbly with God. We invite you to join us live for virtual worship each Sunday morning on Facebook or YouTube, or by following the worship links on our website, stluke.mn.
1: Thanks for listening. May you go in peace.